The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about addiction, and you know that when there is addiction in a family, there's often a lot of conflict. There's conflict within the addicted person. There's conflict between spouses or parent and child. It is a very challenging time, and we are speaking with a wonderful author, Candace Platter, who wrote this book, which happens to be an international book awards winner. It's called Loving an Addict, Loving Yourself, the top 10 survival tips for loving someone with an addiction and and basically how to survive it. So let me tell you a little bit about Candace, who's coming to us from beautiful Vancouver, a gorgeous area in Canada. We just love it. I've been there and I just would love to go back again in the summer. <laughs> Candace uh-huh. Platter is an author. Uh, uh, she's the author of Loving an Addict, Loving Yourself. And she knows from personal experience what it means to be an addict. Within a year of being diagnosed with Crohn's disease back in 1973, she found herself in the throes of prescription drug addiction. And as a result of those drugs she that were prescribed to her, for many years she became addicted. And she also used marijuana on a daily basis just to control her physical and emotional pain. And we know that that's legal. You know, medical marijuana is legal in in California. And so she became addicted to the marijuana as well. After more than 14 years of abusing substances, she reached her bottom in 1987. And that she started a journey to really deal with her recovery self-discovery, and also to become uh, a master at this and get a master's degree in psychology back in uh, 2001. And for over 25 years in private practice, she's been helping clients and their loved ones really to understand all of these issues. And that's what led her to write this wonderful book. So you can find out more about her at Candace Platter. I'm going to spell that for you. C-A-N-D-A-C-E-P-L-A-T-T-O-R.com. And of course, also at ConflictHealing.com, our website, where we have her picture, her bio, JPEG of her book, and we link to her website as well. So that is just, um, we're all ready. So thank you so much for joining us this morning, Candace. Well, I'm so happy to be here with you, Mari. Thank you. 
Well, you have done a, a terrific job in this, and you had a challenging journey yourself. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Well, uh, I guess I could start in, you know, in 1973 uh, when I was on a long um, road trip from Calgary, Alberta, in Canada, to Maryland. And in the middle of that, I became, with no warning or apparent reason, I became violently ill and never got better. Mm. And so... um, after many doctor appointments and people trying to figure out what it was, they finally diagnosed me with Crohn's disease. But uh, at that point, Crohn's was a um, kind of a new kid on the block disease. They really didn't know what to do for it. In the defense of those doctors back then, they really didn't know what to do. So they gave me things like Valium and Codeine and mm. Demerol, which would probably be equivalent to today's Oxycontin, and uh, they just kept giving it to me week after week, month after month, year after year, and I kept taking it, and anybody's body would become addicted to those things, and mine certainly did, so I was in trouble. Yes, yes. Yeah. So And, and, you know, what's happening today, Mari, is that the doctors continue to prescribe these medications, even Mm. though addiction is on the radar now, it wasn't back then, Mm. they're still prescribing these these drugs to people, and it's just a horrendous situation. Yes, and then they got to come, the people that are addicted have to come and get some help from you. Yes, or their families do, one or the other. Yes, exactly. So let's talk about how, there's a lot of books on addiction, but how is your book different from other Mm -hmm. books about family addiction? Well, my book is different because I wrote this book specifically for the loved ones of people with addiction. My book is not for the addict, and it's not about how to get an addict into treatment or how to get an intervention for an addict. It's not really about the addict. It's about addiction, and it's about um, codependency, which... uh, my my very simple definition of codependency is when we put other people's needs ahead of our own on a fairly consistent basis. Uh, those most of the loved ones that I deal with are doing exactly that with their addicts. Right. So the book that that I wrote was for those people and trying to teach them how to um, learn about their own boundaries, learn about their own self respect, and. Yes. Uh, and know how to set the boundaries, how to speak them, how to maintain them, um, how to actually help an addict instead of enable an addict. Enabling an addict is never a loving act. Yes. And most loved ones do this because they just don't know what else to do. So my book tells you what else to do. Yes. And I think the the issue of so much conflict within someone when you're living with an addict, you have this conflict like I love them, so I must be helpful to them, but I you know I love myself enough that I can't put up with this. What do I do? It's it's an inner conflict for yep. the person living with the addict, right? It's a terrible inner conflict. 
it's a very, very bad inner conflict. And sometimes it, it becomes a, a terrible outer conflict as well. There's abuse yes. that happens. There's just all kinds of horrible things that happen. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about why do people get involved in addictive behaviors in the first place? You know, yours was basically a doctor giving it to you. But, you know, but we see, and here we're on the campus of the University of California, Irvine, people are taking things like meth to stay awake to study and, and all these other things. There's a lot of reasons that people are not, are getting addicted that it isn't really given to them as a prescription, right? So, right. so yeah. So how, how can you tell if it's really an addiction? And, you know, why do people do this? Well, we use addiction, whether it's alcohol and drugs, something mind-altering like that, or even mood-altering like gambling or eating disorders or, uh, you know, um, spending, compulsive overspending. We use addictive behaviors to be able to change how we feel in some way. For uh-huh. most people, they're feeling unhappy and want to feel better. For some people, they're feeling they feel like they don't really deserve to be happy. And mm-hmm. so if they're feeling too good, they change that right. <laughs> with addiction. Most of the time, people are using addictive behaviors in order to change how they feel in some way. Right. So that would be the answer to that question. Yes. And so it would seem, you know, I remember um, even when I was in college and a lot of people were doing drugs because I'm a child of the 60s here. But luckily, <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, at least that's when I was in college and, and that was the big thing. Everybody was doing drugs and dropping acid and all this stuff. But I remember, luckily, um, the Beatles were very popular at that time and they got into uh, meditation. So for me, I thought that was really cool and I got into transcendental meditation and that was a mind altering experience as well. And I guess I was addicted to meditation since I'd get up in the morning and do it in the morning and in the evening twice a day. But it was kind of a healthy addiction <laughs> yeah. because it kept yeah. me away from I mean, the other uh, stuff. We, when we talk about addiction, we're really, we're really talking about something that's interfering with a person's life. Yes, yes. And, and yours was actually helping your life. Yours yeah. was actually <laughs> enhancing your yes. life. So, I mean, I think we have, we have healthy addictions. We have unhealthy addictions. Right. We have distractions that haven't yet become addictions, you know, <laughs> but when we're talking about heavy addiction yes. that um, that's tearing your life apart and tearing apart the lives of the people around you, yes, that's a different thing. Yes. You know, yeah. I went to, um, at the State Bar Annual Meeting back in September, they, uh, you know, one of the things that we have to take as a State Bar uh, a lawyer in California, because there's so much addiction, believe it or not, that yep. we actually have to have uh, substance abuse that we have to take as professional development every year. So I was at the State Bar Annual mm. Meeting. And so I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah, they have to. Well, they, they call it the other bar. Uh (laughs) And there is some uh, free counseling for attorneys because here you are, you know, you're helping people. And if you're all messed up, it's you could really destroy their lives. So, yeah, I actually have a very close friend here in Vancouver who is a therapist. She was a lawyer as well, and she works with the the families uh, and the um, and lawyers who are addicted. It's a very stressful position. And so, you know, if you're not mediating like me, which is 
a lot. It's still stressful. I'm in the middle of conflict, but I'm not litigating, so it's not as nasty. But um, just interesting that you had brought this up. The the guy who was teaching the class had been disbarred. He was, you know, thrown Mm. out. And he told us his life. He was like straight A. He went to Stanford. He was, I mean, he was everything. He was gorgeous. He was, you know, he, he took meth in, in, uh, in grad school to make sure he could stay up, and he did, he did well. He was DA. He'd, he had all this incredible, glorious career that he could manage, even though he kept getting worse and worse going from meth, and then he chewed it. He told us this whole story. You know, we were all just dying here listening to his terrible story, how he became homeless, lost his wife, lost his family, lost everything, just had to be at the I mean, he was really on the, the bottom, brink of suicide. Yeah. yeah, and suicide. And so he finally, I mean, that was like terrible, terrible. He lost everything. And now he does these programs for the bar, but he is not a member. He can't practice anymore. He is disbarred. Mm-hmm. But, well, but he's doing something wonderful with his life anyway, yes. and I'm glad to hear that. Yes, yes. So yeah. that was the and, good and news. And that's, that's part of what I what I like to tell people, I like to, to tell this to addicts who are still in active addiction or early recovery, and I really like to let their families know that we can change, addicts can change, and I am absolute proof of that. I now have 27 years clean and sober, God and, bless uh, you. Mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's like the caterpillar becoming the butterfly, and anybody can change if they make the decision to do that, yes. and I see addiction in that way, I see addiction as a choice. Yes. It may be a disease, it may be all kinds of other things, but ultimately, underneath all of that, addiction is a choice. We either choose to stay inactive. I don't think we, be, we don't, I want to clarify this, we don't choose to become addicts. Right. But, in fact, most addicts think they'll never become addicted because they're special. You know? Right, and they're in but, denial, uh, right? And they're in denial for a long time. Yeah, they're in denial. But once we're in active addiction as an addict, We know that something is wrong. We know we're hurting people in our lives. We know things aren't going well. And that's where our choice point is. Yes. So we... We need. We make a choice every day about whether we stay in active addiction or we go into some kind of active recovery, and the the um, the job, uh, the task for the loved ones is to make the addict as uncomfortable as possible staying in active addiction. Yes, we want them to get out of active addiction. So that's why we're. That's why I talk a lot about enabling. I talk about how to how to stop doing that. About how it's not helpful or loving to give money to an addict, right? Or to let them live in your home if they're an adult child. To let them live in your home um, without contributing to the household or being obnoxious or abusive in the home. It's not a loving act to allow an addict to get away with those kinds of behaviors. So the job or function of the loved one is to make it very uncomfortable for the addict to stay in active addiction, and that's very hard for the loved one because they don't like conflict. Yes. And, right? and, they and that's also what they're going to get if yeah. they make it uncomfortable for the addict. Right, right. Yeah. And what are some but of the other to. feelings? That's I would... the only way, Yeah, and I <laughs> unfortunately. Think... It's the only way. And I think sometimes, you know, because I've I've had people who get divorced over 
over this kind of issue, you know, the addictions. Yep. And, um, and then the addict tries to make the other person, you know, the other, the other significant other feel guilty. Yes. Yes. So it's, it's guilt-inducing. So let's talk about some of the feelings that people have, what they can expect to have, and how to get over those. Well, the guilt is, is, a, is a very big one, and the reason why people, uh, addicts, shame, they, they guilt trip and, and shame um, their loved ones is because they don't want to have to take responsibility for themselves. They don't want to have to do that. They want to be able to keep using. They're scared to stop. Right. Addiction has become their best friend, whatever the addiction is. Right. So they'll do just about anything. They're quite manipulative. I was as well in my addiction. Uh, and, and they will, they know what buttons to push and they'll push them mm. so that they don't have to look at themselves. So guilt, shame, loved ones feel so much shame because they believe that they're somehow responsible for the addict's addiction. And what I want to tell anybody listening right now, anybody who's a loved one, you're not responsible for the addict's addiction. The addict is making a choice to continue the addiction. You may have contributed by enabling, by doing some things that weren't really okay to do, but you did not cause the addiction and you're not responsible for it. What you are responsible for is learning some new behaviors for yourself so that you can live your own best life and actually be able to help your addicted loved one. Yes, yeah. It's interesting. I've heard such things as, well, if you weren't such a nag, I wouldn't have to drink. (laughs) Things like that. Yeah, that's like the classic joke. It's not funny, but the classic Um, joke of AA, if you had a wife like mine, you'd, you know. Yeah. But that's crazy. It's it's, not about the wife. It's a blame game. It's about the guy who's drinking. Yeah, (laughs) it's the blame game. It's a a choice. Yeah. Always. Exactly. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. can, can you ever really live a good life with an addict in it? Well, yes. Uh, if your addict is in recovery, you can live a much better life. Right. So you want to really do the right things to, to assist that to happen. But even if you have an addict in your life who is in active addiction, I think what, what needs to happen is that very clear boundaries need to be set. And the basic underlying message is this. We love you. We love you. I love you so much. This is what the loved one says to the addict. I love you so much that I am not willing to continue supporting you in active addiction. Right, right. I realize now that I've been enabling you, and I realize that that's not healthy, and I'm sorry about having done that, and I'm not going to do that for you anymore. So when you're ready to be in active recovery, let me know. Right. So, and so in do the you... meantime, and you say to the person, I'm doing this because I love you, not because I don't. Right. And in the meantime, the, the loved ones need to be looking after their own lives and practicing their own self-care and maybe working with somebody like myself who knows how to help. Right. Yeah. So, so if you're in a uh, marriage, okay, and you've got kids... And um, so the person says, you know, I don't have a drinking problem or I don't have a drug problem and they don't want to admit that. And then so you say to your spouse, 
I love you, but I can't live like this. And so we need to separate until you decide what you, if you want to come back and be healthy and be um, free from your addiction or not. So, I mean, is it something like that would work? Yes. It's, it's exactly like that, as long as there isn't domestic abuse happening in that relationship, right. because you have to keep yourself and your children safe. That's the very first thing to do. Mm-hmm. But after that, yes, absolutely, you need to say, I don't want to, and, and, and it's not, I can't live like this. I, I, you know, some clients call me the language police, because yeah. how, we, how we say things is really important. So it's not... I can't put up with this anymore, but I won't. Right. I don't want to live like this. Right. I'm not going to live like this. And you need to be, if you want to be my husband, you need to be a different kind of man, and I'd like you to be a different kind of father with our children. Yes. And right now you're not doing a very good job of that. I love you. I'm willing to support you in active recovery, but not like this. Yeah, and I've had it where the woman, you know, where the husband had to basically say, You know, I don't want to live like this. I don't want my children to be subjected to this. This is not a comfortable situation for anybody. So, yeah, I mean, I've seen it both ways. So, yeah. I have as well. And, you know, it's it's interesting. We're we're talking about it as if the man is always the addict or the alcoholic. I think maybe, you know, 60, 70% of the time that's true. But there's quite a large uh, number of people, a number of women, and I think it's getting larger all the time, unfortunately, especially with prescription drugs. Yes. women are are starting to uh, be in that role instead. Yes, yes. We it's are devastating. S- however, however, it's going. It's a devastating situation. It's a terrible situation. Yeah, we're but speaking there is with hope, and there is help. And my book really will tell you how to do this. I've just recently put the finishing touches on an audio book as well, so that's going to be available soon too. Great. Yeah. We're speaking with Candice Platter. Uh, who is the author of Loving an Addict, Loving Yourself, the Top 10 Survival Tips for Loving Someone with an Addiction. So can we talk about just um, briefly about the three most important tips that people need to know when they're Mm. facing this problem? Yes, I'm very happy to talk about that. Um, The first one, uh, there, there are 10 tips in the book, and I think all of the tips are important, but there are three that stand out for me, and, and the first one is, is you can't change anybody but yourself, right. so stop trying. <laughs> right. And right. in my book, for each chapter, for each tip, I have a quote from somebody else, and this tip, the quote, is my favorite in the whole book, and it's by Robert Heinlein, who wrote Stranger in a Strange Land, beautiful science fiction writer, uh-huh. and he says... Never try to teach a pig to sing. <laughs> it's a waste of your time, and it annoys the pig. <laughs> yes, very cute. So yes, I I'm not that. calling addicts pigs because no, I'm no, an no, addict no, too. No, but, no. But you know, trying to teach a, a pig to sing, trying right. to make an addict stop. How many people out there listening right now? How many of you have tried desperately to make your addict stop, and it hasn't worked because it won't work that way. Yes, it's a you know, it's a planet of free will. So they they get to make the decision, but you get to influence that decision in the way that you interact with them and the way that you behave in the relationship. 
And what you were saying, I think, is so important, Candace, about setting boundaries, because if I set boundaries myself, I can only change myself. And that's hard enough. I can't change anybody else. But I can change my approach. So if I've been enabling or if I've been codependent, and then I say, you know, I will not continue like this. I won't do this to myself any longer. I need for my own health to do this. You have a choice of what you want to do with your life. This is what I'm going to do with my life. Exactly. You've got it exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, changing yourself is is hard enough, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's so courageous. You know, I talk a lot about the serenity prayer. Yes. um, And the serenity prayer, you know, has a line in it, the courage to change the things I can. Yes, and and the the, wisdom. And what we can change (laughs) is ourselves, and it takes courage. It's it's not for the faint of heart. (laughs) Yeah, and to wisdom to to know the difference, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, to the wisdom to know the difference. But that's how self-respect is earned. That's how self-respect grows, is to is to make those changes and be courageous and know that if we don't, our lives are not going to be what we want them to be. That's in our hands. Yes. That's in our hands. Okay, so, so that was the first one. We got two more, and we have yeah, just I'll, like I'll just two. quickly go through them if you like. Yeah, we have a few more minutes for, yeah. Okay. Okay, so the next one would be learn the difference between helping and enabling. Yes. And we've talked about this a fair bit already today, but the the quick kind of definition, the Coles Notes version uh, of helping and enabling. Enabling, an enabling act keeps the addiction going, like giving money to an addict. That kind of thing is that some people drive their addicts to the dealer or the liquor store because at least they know where, they, where the addict is. Right, you right. Know, this is not helpful, and you're not really meeting the addict's need. You're meeting your own need about wanting to know where the addict is. Or letting know? them continue to live with you. When, Letting them continue yeah. to live with you yes. and, and be drunk in your home and stoned yes. in your home and obnoxious right. and abusive and right. bring sketchy people in and all kinds of things that are happening. Yeah. Right. So a helping behavior is, is something that will assist the addiction to stop, such as something that makes the addict uncomfortable to be in active addiction. And you do this with as much love and compassion as you can, but do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the third one is uh, know that self-care does not equal selfish. Mm. And, and because so many uh, codependent people are women, we're kind of trained to be that way, much more than males are in our society, I think. I think it's hard being a man in our society, but it's really hard being a woman, too. And, and we are taught to put other people's needs ahead of our own, right? So what we need to do is understand that we need to, we need to meet our own needs first, not in a selfish way, but just make sure that we're filled up and then give to others instead of the other way around. Well, it's just like getting on an airplane. They said, if you're with a child, put on your own mask first. And then. Exactly. And I say that in the book. That's the yes. analogy that I use. Because yeah. if you. I, I love it. It's like an analogy for life. If you can't breathe, how can you help somebody else breathe? Exactly. 
Exactly. So we have just another minute left. What is the what is it that you really want people to the the most important thing you want them to get out of this book? Loving an addict, loving yourself, the ten top survival tips for someone for loving someone with an addiction. What is if you could just sum it up in one sentence? I think what I'd like to let people know, the loved ones know, is that there really is hope for this to change. And you need to be talking about this. You need to not feel so ashamed that you keep secrets about this. For every one addict of any kind, we know now that probably between 12 and 25, 30 people are are affected by that one addict Mm. and by, you know, by that person's addiction. And so if you think about it, when you're walking down the street, even though we don't have a sign on our foreheads saying, I'm I'm affected by someone's addiction, probably 99.9% of the people on the street are. And so you are not alone. You didn't cause this. There are ways for this to end. There are ways for this to get better. Please, please read my book. Please reach out for help. It, it, it really can get better. And let's just give your website and it's time to go. Okay. It's www.candisplatter.com. Thank you so much, Candace. This is a wonderful book, and I know you're helping so many people. Thank you so much, and we'll have you back again. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.